Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. Uh, we're back from our lull hmm. of several weeks. It's funny because the last episode we did was called Lull. See, we had to make sure to drive that point home. Right. It's it's something we did deliberately. Um, but now we're back. The episode is Glory of Love, and listeners, I want you to know that before recording this episode, we sang a really bad karaoke version of Glory of Love. But it was great because the background visuals were, well, what was it? Birds? Ducks? Baby ducks, birds, and mushrooms growing. Yes, it was a deeply phallic imagery that ended the video. Uh, So I think we're in a good headspace to sort of take this on. We're ready to talk about the glory of love and how sometimes it's great and sometimes it's like a mushroom. Growing. Yes, please. I can't Sometimes wait to see it's you. Disturbing. Talk. Yeah, there was like a net that came out of the the mushroom head. Yes, and you're you're listening to or you're Guys, watching this maybe, while the chorus we'll comes in. Out. You know what? We're gonna tweet this out. We're yeah. gonna tweet that video out. It was yeah. it was pretty special. And yeah. So all of you can sing "Glory of Love" in the comfort of your own homes. Hopefully, after listening to this episode. Yes. Okay, we're back. It's been several weeks. Uh, IMDb synopsis. Daniel works to make amends with Amanda. While Johnny is introduced to the world of dating apps, complications arise when Miguel, Samantha, Robbie, and Tori cross paths. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty straightforward. It divides it neatly into three storylines, which don't actually touch each other too much this week. Yeah. We we always start with Johnny, so I think we should should start with Daniel. Because, (sighs) one, I had completely forgotten the status of his kind of cold war with Amanda, like... So in case you, uh, readers, uh, listeners have forgotten, in previous episodes, Amanda's been getting more and more testy at the fact that... uh, She's working 2,000 hours a week at this car dealership that they're supposed to run together. And he's been running his dojo and basically... uh, At no profit. At no profit, because he gives out free lessons, remember that. Actually more of a loss, because it was recently destroyed by Crease. And he does not actually help that much with the car dealership anymore, and... I am totally on Amanda's side here. I mean, one thing is that it's so common. It's such a common trope in TV and movies that you have, like, a wife who's like, why are you doing the thing that you're doing? But here it's like, they do run a business together. Yeah. That business is their livelihood. And she's now running it single-handedly because Daniel's, like, working out his issues in the dojo. Um, So she's very much in the right here. This episode was incredibly frustrating for me, Daniel-wise. Oh, yes, uh, because really his entire arc is how do I get uh, sort of the ice to, to melt with Amanda? And it's not really about addressing the root concerns that Amanda has had for two seasons now about where Daniel's headed. It's more like Daniel just, I don't know... He starts out, like, the episode he's on sleeping on the couch, his mom is visiting, and, right. like, during the episode you see, like, okay, he's gonna, like, get off that couch, he's gonna, like, win her back. You just know he's getting terrible advice from his mom, because, can I just say, uh, would you, if you were sleeping on the couch, and your parents came to visit, would your parents ever kind of note that as, like, a so... You're not getting laid tonight. Is no. that right? I feel like his mom should just be like, okay, sure. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a million reasons why well, you could be sleeping. He tells on her a... that, you know, he's getting why sick. Why would you tell your mom that? Oh, I'm just getting sick. That's yeah, why I'm sitting on the couch. She should have been like, cool, good. Anyways, yeah, let's not know, talk about this. Yeah, exactly. But no, she's there Mama being like. Russo is not buying it. Nope, she's there. She want, like, She's there with like her sage advice that she'll, you know, you guys will work it out. And she's he, never even going to be like, hey, so. The reason you're fighting is because you 
Just Spend not showing up to work or what? Right. Because, I mean, you don't get love advice from your mom because your mom's going to be like, oh, honey, you're perfect. So Mama LaRusso is not a tough love kind of mom. No, nah, not so much. And Daniel, his attempts to make amends with Amanda, like, to me, They're are all like... sushi related. Well, yeah, he, he has, like, expensive sushi delivered to the office. Which is bullshit because, you know, he eats sushi for every meal. Right. I like, mean, is this maybe, special? Maybe she's like, hey, can we get food that I want to eat? Maybe she hates sushi. I mean, yeah, it's not like... We, we know that Daniel likes sushi. I didn't realize Amanda loved it so. And he's also... He's getting a present for himself. He's getting a present for himself. And she's like, that's really nice. Uh, but if you checked our joint calendar, you'd realize I have a business lunch across town. And it's like, this... This is your problem, Daniel. You're not engaged with their business. It's not that she's, like, longing for surprise And sushi the thing lunches. is, she's not even mysterious about why she's upset. Um, yeah, she's it's just like, pretty uh, obvious. Maybe you should help out more and, like, pay attention. Right. Um, and that, I, and, like, her, her, his other attempts are, like, he has his students come in to wax on and wax off all the cars, which is, like, cute, child labor. And she very correctly notes that, like, yeah, great, but, like, I know this isn't going to be, like, a permanent army Yeah, of, she like... says, you can't put a Band-Aid on an open head wound, and he gets very defensive, and he's like, you call our marriage an open head wound? And I was like, she has to use kind of karate fighting metaphors, because that's all you seem to care about. You can't even, like, process any others. <laughs> She's like, it's like, I'm an orange belt, and we work together to get an orange belt, and then you go off and join another dojo, and you're putting... And he's like, whoa, seriously. Yeah, it's all clear to it's, me now. It's all coming coming together for me. And then this incredibly frustrating subplot to me ends. Like, this is the end of the episode when he's, like, ready, like, to try winning her back one last time. He's already, like, looked at an old photo album with his mom. His Miyagi scrapbook. His Miyagi scrapbook, which, to be fair, does have some pictures of his family and wife, too. Sure. But mostly it's a Miyagi scrapbook. And he's basically like, oh, yeah, I don't know what the point of that scene was. He said he's tried everything he can think of to get Amanda back, and I just... I was like, do you have such limited imagination that, like, this is this is it? You've lived with this person for 20 years You tried now. to get sli- sushi delivered, and, um... That is... You had your kids from your class come in to, to wax cars. Um, yeah, none of these things weird. are things that address the actual root problem, which is actually not... And Sorry, I'll get to this, but, like, in this scene when they're... Uh, looking at the photo album, and his mom is just like, oh, well, don't worry, she'll come around. And then she tells Daniel this story about Daniel's late father, about how once they were all at Coney Island together, and she's just reminiscing about, like, just a moment when he put his head on her shoulder and his how she still remembers that. They do love to reminisce. And I, I was honestly, like, thinking, I mean, not that that's not a sweet anecdote, but I'm like, okay, what is the point here? And at the end, she's just like, that's all I wanted to know, that he was in it with me. And I think we're supposed to connect from that, that, like, Amanda just needs to know that Daniel is in it with him, right? Is that like, the point? Like, maybe she feels like the dojo is, like, a symptom of a larger disconnecting that he's doing with their life together. I don't know. I mean, I guess when the show starts, he's presumably a good husband and involved with their family business and whatever, and then it's only this recent thing with... I guess what, it's like, he, he comes as close to admitting that it's Miyagi PTSD that yeah. has gone unaddressed for 20 Be- years. Because his grand gesture to Amanda at the end is that he, while she is trying to do some work at the office late at night, um, which Daniel isn't helping with, he comes by with champagne and he takes her into a car, kind of, um, which is an exact... Uh, 
replication of like when they first opened the dealership and they they celebrated with champagne in the back of or sparkling cider she's pregnant in the back of a car and they're you know he's dressed in a tux which i guess is nice they're drinking champagne he says that he's sorry he's been like so obsessed with the dojo but he misses miyagi and and it's really making him feel like you know he's connected to him again but now he knows he has to focus on what's important and then they make out and that is the resolution i fucking hate this because for for so many reasons one uh, he's wearing the same tux as a kind of a throwback to the fact that he was wearing a tux 20 years ago or whatever when, when Amanda was pregnant and they were in this together. But I was just thinking, like, it just shows you how, uh, you know, when they're showing, like, the dissolution of a, a relationship or a marriage and the, the things that you find endearing about somebody kind of morph, mm-hmm. where it's like, even in that initial scene, um, Amanda's like, yeah, it was a good day for the dealership, and... Daniel's like mistily looking off into the sunset and he's like, well, actually I was just thinking about whatever Miyagi or <laughs> whatever. Always. Like he, he's clearly not like, they're just focused on different things. And then, you know, fast forward to present day and it's the exact same thing where she's like that cute thing where you're not actually focused on our livelihood isn't adorable anymore. It's actually like you think, stressing me out a lot. You would think that would be her reaction, but instead she just kind of kisses him back. They yeah, make out I, I and just, this is actually not brought up again in the show. I don't know why. Again, I think like to to the extent that they push the envelope with Johnny's character and they show interesting dimensions and he, he goes through this whole evolution over the season. Daniel is like stuck in time and there's clearly room to grow for his character like he's not perfect but I just don't understand what the writers are thinking it's you know like, like they're just they're obviously showing hey you're kind of like got your head stuck in the sand and your marriage is kind of disintegrating it's an open head wound and then she forgives you in like two minutes yeah and the thing Unless is they're gonna revisit this none of this actually like tackled the underlying problem which is and you know what? I'll even go so far, so far to say it's clear that Amanda loves him. Like, although she does compare their marriage to a head wound, it's not, you know, it's not in that bad straits. She's being a little chilly to him right now, but, like, she's not filing for papers. But her frustration is actually the frustration of a business partner. It'd be like with you and me and Cobra Co- uh, this podcast. Yeah, like, Lotha, you know, say I haven't edited the last several dozen episodes. Right, or, like, I stopped showing up for the podcast. It's just yeah, you making 80s references to Yeah, yourself. or I'm, like, pretending to be you and, and doing both parts of this podcast. Please do that next time. I'd disturbing, okay that. you know? Yeah, and it's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're supposed to do this thing together, and you're not doing it. And then, imagine this podcast was our livelihood. Listeners, it's not. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It does not make any money. It probably costs us money for in, like, the bandanas we have to order. Do I have do the silver hair because of this podcast? I think so. Okay. This podcast is like our child, and this child just decided to get a degree the in medieval studies. Anthony. Yeah, the child is Anthony. The child is a disappointment. Where are we going with this? Oh, back, back to okay. Daniel, who, yeah, I I don't understand. I, I, I think I liked it when the writers introduced this as a source of conflict because it makes sense. And, but, like, instead of exploring that, and instead of making Daniel make a hard choice, like, maybe he has to, maybe he has to back away from the dojo. Maybe he has to shut it down. Or maybe, like... How do you think this would play out in the real world? I'm just saying. In the real world, uh, like, seriously, in the real world, he needs to hire someone else to run the dojo. And then he needs to start charging the students because you can't really afford to hire someone else unless you're also bringing in money in the dojo. If he's really, like, spending all this money on the dojo, he either, I think... He'd probably at least get another manager to help Amanda yeah. out. 
Yeah, or you need to hire somebody else to like for the the, the dealership. Shit, get Crease to run the dojo or the, or the dealership. dealership. I mean, that guy would be incredible. He's yes. like processing invoices and shit. Yes, and, like he would sell cars in. like by threatening people all like yeah. really well. Oh my god, writers! Maybe Amanda and him would fall in love. Writers, and then this think would be about another this thing season. that Cobra Kai had taken away from him. Right? I mean, God, this and shit yet, writes itself. I know, I know. Come on, guys. Like, start a, start a letter campaign. You think Bring there's Crease the and Amanda fanfic out there? We will look into this. Okay. Um, I will, personally. But, yeah, once again, like, they had something that they could have done with Daniel that would have been interesting, but they really... They really shy away, especially in this season, from, like, going anywhere deep with Daniel. Like, in the first season, like, you can see, you can see, like, oh, he's a nice guy and everything, but you also got to see, like, the un, like, there's some unpleasant aspects to Daniel's personality. It's the resistance to change that I think I find so irritating with Daniel. It's like, Johnny, maybe, his self-esteem wasn't that great to begin with, so maybe he was like, you know, obviously I can be better and do more with my life, and... Whereas I feel like Daniel is just complacent, and... He's got a pretty good life. I mean, he can be complacent. Yeah. So you you But he's clearly like, not happy, or else he wouldn't... He's, like, you know what? Like, all of this could be interesting. He's missing his father figure, throwing himself into the dojo. It's, like, really, like, destructive on his marriage. But instead of actually, like, exploring that or doing anything with that, they're just like, and then he brought champagne to the office, and it was okay. And Okay, can I... Uh, I wrote this down. Would you eat free sushi at a dealership i mean it was pretty fancy looking and everybody knows that larusso knows his sushi so yeah sure i do it that's such a weird move yeah like you're you're going to buy a car like oh yeah um basically since amanda won't eat the sushi they have to give it away to the customers which hey okay sounds like a I have good day there's so much i don't know about the car dealership world so much i'm learning you know? right i think that's really i think it's given us a really skewed perspective on the car dealership world. seems like a great place like, to be where you get a bonsai yeah and just people sushi. poach your employees and hey it's a cutthroat world just i miss anoush man anoush anoush was the linchpin yeah we didn't realize I mean, it till he was gone that's fine <sighs> um Okay, have we have we exhausted Daniel? I think we have exhausted okay. Daniel. That's yeah, not a lot of kind and of And Daniel kids. has exhausted us. He has, yeah. So um, Johnny or the kids? I say Johnny. Alright. Okay. Um Opening sequence. Opening sequence is this amazing dream sequence set to eighties eighties. Set snake. to white snake. Yeah, it's set to white snake. He's baking, basically making out with um, Miguel's, Miguel's mom, mom who Carmen. has a name, Carmen. Thank you, but yeah, yeah basically she's just Miguel's mom in all of my notes, Carmen. But he uh, he knocks on her door. I like she's... how authentically he is himself because his he's kind of got this like maybe that's why he connects to Miguel so much because he's kind of an adolescent. Yes, it's and, a and super so it's like, adolescent it's fantasy. Like, you know, she's spraying beer all over herself. Oh my god, no, 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 be specific. She is yeah. spraying cores all she's over herself. Cor- yeah. While she's dressed in a nightgown. They're having this weird karate makeout fight. They're like, they make out like teenagers in that like sloppy neck twisting way. Yeah. It's. Are you looking for Miguel? I'm not here for Miguel. And then, boom, yeah. they're making out. And um, it's, you know. It's, it's cores is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Just it, it's like a solid music video de- uh, dream that an adolescent would have, and then you see him like in bed sleeping. And, and it's also, it's just like magical. his apartment, even after he upgraded, is still very like college dorm like. Yeah, yeah. And it's 
it's endearing. You don't know exactly why it is endearing, but it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's just he has no pretension about him. I like that. Um, so Miguel's mom is Carmen is dating some random Australian guy named. Oh, I thought Graham. he was British. Is he Australian? That is an. I mean, there. I I apologize to our Aussie fans. We have Aussie fans. When did we get Aussie fans? Have you not looked at the Podbean? Our, our fans are legion. Goddamn it! Wow, I didn't know there was a guy in Australia listening to this. I love all of our fans. Right? Hello, mate. Um, but anyways, Graham, who is maybe yeah, Australian there, but yeah, could be he, British, they've slandered this Aussie Brit person. He's got a suit on, and uh, he's not given a lot of dimension, no. shall we say. I mean, I, this character, it's like it's laid on a little thick, but like yeah. Johnny wakes up to, and goes outside, and he's making out with Carmen. He's the new guy in her life. Um, and in a very cute scene, like at the dojo uh, sometime later, he, well, first of all, he deals with the fact that Crease is gone, that he's been evicted in, in yeah, the previous episode. Yeah, we haven't even episode. talked about the Crease shaped hole in our hearts right um well he hasn't been gone long enough for us to feel that although i mean it has been we've had two months of lulls it's true and get over it this is the first full episode where there is zero crease except for the picture of crease that johnny takes down i had to take that photo off my wall you know did you really i mean yeah it's still like there in your heart yeah i know right um yeah, so the only mention of Crease is that, like, you know, students are like, where's the sensei Emeritus? And he's like, nope, he's gone. Mr. Crease will no longer be joining us. I made a promise when I became your sensei to always look out for your best interests. Despite how hard this may be for all of us, he didn't have our best interests at heart. John Crease may have founded Cobra Kai but he no longer represents what this dojo stands for. This Cobra Kai was old and outdated. You refuse to move forward. What happens when we do that, Mr. Diaz? You get stuck like cement. Exactly. To be a great fighter, you gotta learn to adapt. This creed on the wall, follow it to the letter, it'll make you strong. It'll make you formidable. It'll also make you an asshole. Because that's just black paint on a white wall. But life's not black and white. More often than not, it's gray. And it's in those gray areas where Johnny Lawrence's Cobra Kai sometimes shows mercy. Doesn't mean you can't be badass, it's still a requirement. But you have to learn to think, not just with your gut, or your fists. To really use this. Which leads me to today's lesson. Head buddy. Yeah, I don't I don't know that who besides Hawk, Mrs. Crease? In this dojo. Because he was always the more, like... He was always making them do, like, punishing exercises. And he didn't show any mercy. I think that probably Hawk and Stingray, if that's what he's still calling himself, Miss Crease in some fashion, 
But yeah, Miguel like clearly like always knew Crease's bad news. And there's this very cute scene actually where he follows him to the back and it's just like, I know you were really close to to Sensei Crease, so if you want to talk about it. And I'm just like, Miguel is the son that I want. The kind who wants to talk with me about my problems, you know? <laughs> um yeah. Wow. And in fact, he really is, because like, you know, Johnny's like, nah, forget it, I'll take care of myself, and like deflects to like, hey, how's it going with your your new girlfriend? And uses maybe I had to write down the phrase. He's like, you know, Tori, that's great. Oh I'm so God. happy for you, but you know, make sure you're focused in class. You can play hide the plantain on your own. Hide the plantain is the greatest phrase of all time. Oh my god. So racist. So amazing. Jesus. Um, um and he also kind of uh, fishes for information about uh, Carmen's new boyfriend and he was like, Miguel very sweetly was like, you know, she's had very terrible luck with so, guys, aka Terry Silver his supposed father, right his real father, this is such a conspiracy theory, we do not entertain this nonsense here, tweet at us please we know it's true <laughs> Miguel, who does not think Terry Silver is his father, because he isn't Miguel um, Silver Christ. Uh, Miguel is very just a nice kid who wants his mom to be happy and apparently wants his sensei to be happy and offers to teach Johnny how to use dating apps, which yeah. is maybe the moment we've all been waiting for all yeah, of our lives. He, poor Miguel. He's so innocent. He doesn't realize that these apps are the portal to hell. Uh, Johnny... Do you speak I, from I, personal experience here? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, who... If only I had put down that I was into super hot babes... Um, Johnny, he's also into Iron Eagle and Iron cars. Eagle too. Yeah, um, it's important. Yeah, um, and he says, I, "I love this." Uh, he says that it used to be simple. The way you would meet women is you body check them hard, but not too hard not at too a bar, hard. of course. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, some beer spills, so you got to buy one, and it's like, well, yeah, well, yeah. Those were the good old days. And then Miguel is very interested in giving him kind of a complete overhaul, so he makes his profile. Uh, I just noticed. That he had a lot of wrinkled button-down shirts in his closet. Pretty mm-hmm. bare bones. Yep. Uh, Miguel's, like, trying to pick out a good date outfit. And what should we see in the closet? But a copy of Internet for Dummies on the shelf on top. I love A it. very nice callback to the episode earlier this season when Johnny learned how to use the internet. With Do you that think book. that actually exists? Yes. Yes, I think it exists. That I think we need totally to get it. totally a real it. book. I mean, um, I want to... And I want to say, Johnny has come leaps and bounds with technology in, like, he has a smartphone now. He does things with it. Yeah, but I, I love that the the initial tech phobia is kind of part of his identity. Because it comes through pretty strongly on these. We have this great dating montage. And I think one woman has a smartwatch. It's, yeah, the montage is like... Some of it's a little predictable, like, oh, he's on a date with a feminist who wants to dismantle the patriarchy, and he says he hates the patriots, <laughs> things like that. But my favorite it, part of the montage is a woman with a smartwatch checking her phone, and or checking her email yeah, on it. he is horrified. And he's like, I feel what? the same way. And he's like, I'm sorry, I check my email on my smartphone with, like, the glee of someone who's just learned what a smartphone I is. I find it so endearing, Yeah, to be it's honest. pretty good. It's pretty good. Um... But, you know, none of these dates, they're really, none of them are really working he out for He even runs him. into the woman that uh, from season one where he had hung up her TV on the wrong wall. First episode of season yeah. one, yeah. And she calls him, a, uh, he calls her a bitch and, she, and he gets fired for it. So, he knows okay. he said she was bitching at him. Yeah. Yeah, and then he calls her a bitch on his, her way out. Right. So, okay, that's, you know, he, he's, but he's giving it a go. He's learning about technology and then, like, he had, he... 
keeps going to the same bar or bar slash restaurant for all of these dates. Um, I imagine that there's like only one in like the slightly nicer strip mall, like a few, a few strip malls down. And then at one of them, like a woman, like kind of body checks him, but not too hard. Um, and then like they get to talking. She is clearly like hitting on him. She likes cores. Is this a move? Do you think? It's of course it's a move. I've done that move so many times. You have so many moves. I can't keep track. I have a lot of good moves. Um, and body checking someone is like. One day you'll have to tell our listeners about the infamous palm reading move. The palm reading move. Is personal. Bagged her. Yeah. Um, okay. It is very personal. But it, it's never failed. It's racy. It's when you like offer to read someone's palm, um, and then you read that palm. That's right. Am I right? I can go into more details if anybody would Innuendo. like to email us. Um, but, Please email us about this. But yes, aside from that, the body check move, like Johnny's right, this woman's right. Like you get the contact. Oh, oops! Did, you, did I spill some beer here? I will get you another one. Very good. And, you know, she's really, like, his soulmate, right? Like, she's really, like, female yeah. Johnny. She likes muscle cars. He likes yeah, muscle cars. and initially cars. he's like, hey, maybe this whole dating thing is working out, and we met the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. But, alas, reality. He gets distracted when she's in the bathroom by none other than our Aussie friend Graham. Our possibly British friend Graham. Yes. Graham. Um, and this is one of those scenes that, like, you always get these on TV where, like, he happens to catch the one part of the conversation that's like, fuck that bitch, Carmen. Yeah. I'm only interested in sex, goddammit. I'm Graham just gonna, Marnie like... was a person, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, first of all, okay... Maybe, maybe Graham spent the first two hours talking to his friends about his philosophy collection. Right? You know? Or, like, his battle with testicular cancer or something. Or the what... philosophy of testicular cancer. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the bulk of the conversation. It's just one of those things where it's just, like, they happen to be at the same bar, and he happens to be talking about how he's going to, like, dump that pussy, and Johnny happens to overhear, and then Johnny happens to follow him out when he tries to take a piss outside and, like, beat him up for And Carmen's the other thing honor. is, so it's, like, while she's in the bathroom, and before he hears it, he's also busy messaging Allie. Oh, actually, he yeah. was, when he was at yeah. the bar, he was writing a fest message to Allie on Facebook. Um, it's it's a great message. It's something like, hey, been a long time. Oh, yeah, I just signed up for the Facebook. It's an app on my smartphone. Ah, I mean, he's accurate about it. He is. So he, he's writing her his message. He's hesitating to send it because he thinks it might sound too desperate. And, you know, that's when the woman who's like a female him body checks him and he accidentally does press send. So it's a bit of a Chekhov's Facebook message that will probably come back later. But, yeah, I mean, he threatens Graham in like the in the back of the restaurant, abandoning the woman who was probably his soulmate in order to be a nice shiny Yeah, you're not even going to ask for my number. Do you find that plausible that, like, Johnny is, like... I think there's a single-mindedness to Johnny. And, like... I find, I kind of found the whole thing, like, a little lame, like, right? Like, it would have been more interesting, actually, if, like, Graham had been, like, you know, like, an interesting... Outstanding guy. Yeah, yeah, because this is, like, okay, well, now you've you've easily and conveniently, like, gotten him out of the way. This is when the show gets, um, I don't know. Like, it's it's kind of like a sitcom format. Yeah. It's half an hour. But when they lean in these, these obvious sitcom tropes... It just feels like, God, you're better than that. Like, I feel like it was better. In the first season, like, despite having, like, those same short and zippy episodes, like, they could subvert your expectations more instead of meet them exactly. Because let's be honest, I'm sorry, one Aussie listener, but as soon as you see Graham with his accent and his suit talking to Carmen, you know exactly, like, how right. this is going to end. I mean, this is the Karate Kid franchise. Like, Crease 
That pout, you know he's evil. Right. It's just like, this guy, yeah, this guy might as well have a monocle or something on. And, God. Yeah, and also, Johnny, like, Justice for Graham. Justice for Graham, seriously. And Johnny, like, (laughs) you can't just, like, fucking assault someone because they've talked about cheating on somebody. That is a crime. That's a thought crime. I mean, Graham was just innocently peeing near a dumpster. After, maybe he was just bragging to his mate about, like, wanting to pump and dump her when actually he was, like, in love with her. Anyways, Johnny, I know you showed mercy by not killing him. I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm on Team Graham all the way. Graham, come back. Really weird, but okay. (laughs) In any case, at the end of the episode... Basically, Graham agrees never to come near Carmen again. Essentially, no, ghost he says, her. yeah, and Johnny's like, what's ghosting? Which melted my heart, to be honest. Right. But it's like, also like, well, great. Now, like, Carmen um, is just like, what happened? What did I do? He just, like, never called again, and he didn't show up for our date. But that's when Johnny kind of, like, is able to swoop in a little bit. And, uh, uh... Yeah, what is that line that... It's an amazing line. Is there a line? I think it's almost like... He's like, any guy would be lucky to go out with you and she says are you, are you asking, asking me out and he's like maybe i am but it's the way he said yeah and he smirks and it's it's good and that's the end of the episode and you're like yeah okay so let, let's get to the we have to circle back to something that we don't really want to talk about no, um but we have to it is our sworn duty as podcast hosts to lead you through the journey it's no true. matter the dark places it takes we do you. not takes, shy away from the truth it takes you to the dark corners of the dojo and the truth is that you see robbie and samantha making out way too many times in this way episode. too many times maybe twice but it's still way too many times it's twice too many Ugh. um because they're a couple guys and i'm telling you the the revulsion that we feel it's i mean i i don't even know i don't know why like by themselves, they're kind of like, ugh. But together, it's like a supernova of revulsion. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, there's so many, God, so many weird cut-off t-shirts with Robbie. Uh, that uh, fucking hair that never goes anywhere. Um, and, and they're talking about, like, their relationship, like, they're Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, nobody cares, guys. We're going to have to tell my parents sometime. I mean, yeah, and they'll probably be okay with this. marriage is imploding. Robbie, you... Your parents are AWOL and, you know... Yeah, there's, like, nothing keeping you apart. You actually do live together. Yeah, um, it's actually perfect. Just, why wouldn't you... Don't teens like secrecy? Wouldn't you want to keep... It's like Bizarro World, Yeah, you know? like, why does everybody want to have, like, like, dinner with their parents? Yeah, and, you know, God, ugh. I can't wait for the day your dad invites me for a sushi dinner. God. Nobody says that. Nobody wants that. But, you know, because they are, like, who they are, they they're weirdly conflicted about it and they decide what they would like to do is go out on a date to the roller rink which cool fyi we learned earlier in the episode that tori with a y works at the roller rink and that miguel will be joining her at the roller rink so guess what happens yeah and just a break to sort of check in on tori and miguel's relationship which i felt like okay so they've been dating what i can't remember two weeks which in like high school years is like seven years 40 million years yeah uh, I feel like now Miguel is more authentically into Tori, whereas I before don't she seemed a little bit more like a rebound for him. But they seem to dig each other. They seem to like each other. Yes, and, like, but I, my under, I'm going to come out with my overarching theory about the theme of this episode, which is okay. that should I waste it all now? Or should we just okay? No, waste it. Waste okay. it. Okay. I think just like Johnny is like I'm trying to change. I'm trying to adapt. But what he really wants is Carmen. So, like, even though he's 
confronted with another option. He's he's gunning for Carmen. And just like that, Sam and Miguel are going through the motions of these temporary distractions. But what they really want is each other. Really? So poor Tori is collateral damage. And, and Robbie is collateral damage. And that poor woman at the bar is collateral damage. Graham, too. Graham, too. They're all just... Justice for Graham, guys. Yeah. Well... Never forget. I don't know. Because it's like, I do feel like... Obviously, there's, like, a residual thing between, um... You want what you want, and you can pretend to yourself yeah. and others that you want something else. I don't know, but... man. Because, like, okay, so there's some awkwardness between Sam and Miguel. Like, they both uh, end up, like, in line to get their skates fixed together, and, like, they have, like, a little, like, whispered, intense conversation where Sam's like, I can't believe you're dating a girl like that, which is a little bit, like... I mean, Miguel rightfully is just like, you don't even know her and come on. And then Miguel like fires back like, oh, and you, you made it seem like I was a paranoid asshole for thinking there was something between you and Robbie and now you're on a date. So, but to me, like, that's kind of true though, that, yeah, right? To me, it's all kind of like, okay, I mean, Tori does, it has been kind of terrible to Sam and yeah, I mean, she and Robbie did always have something between them. I think that, you know, they're, they're just fighting like sniping at each other. They're teenagers. I think that, uh... If I could guess, I would say that, like, Sam probably, like, has, like, feelings for, for Miguel, whereas Miguel, like, I think he still, I mean, I think they, they both still have feelings for each other, but I'm not sure if it's his, like, one true pairing is all that. It's, like, I think that, like, he's genuinely into, into Tori, and she's genuinely, for some reason, into Robbie, but, like, no, I, you know, if it's anything, I think, like, yeah, maybe Miguel is kind of, like, moving on slowly and just trying to be a good ex, whereas I think, feel like, I feel like Sam is not even trying to hide the fact that she's stuck on Miguel and jealous. And I think, obviously, Tori, like, picks up on yeah. that. Because she, like, at some point... She's not a dumb woman. Yeah, and as much as I'm usually like, yeah, Tori, okay. I mean, she's kind of a cliche, but whatever. She she gives it her all. Like, at one point, like, she kind of trips Sam and... This is actually, yeah, like... that's a, an act of aggression. That's not even, like, a subtle... No, she, like, basically, like, body checks Sam, but not in a sexy body, way. A lot of body checking. But then, and then Sam, like, gets pissed, gets up, and basically just, like, fucking takes her down. Uh, to, since Tori's, like, a waitress and carrying plates of fries, they all, like, hit the ground. And you know what? She gets kicked out, and, like, you know, uh, Miguel is like, what the hell, Sam? What's wrong with you? You never that see... That was yeah. maybe the moment that I liked Sam the most, when I really? felt most for Sam. Like, yeah, because also, Sam never, ever gets punished for anything. Yeah. Or, like... And she never actually, like... She never gets punished for anything, and she never actually does anything. And I liked... I, so I liked that moment where I was just kind of like, yes, yeah, Sam. Like, for once, I'm like... I, you were very justified to, like, take that bitch down, and you were the one who got, sh like, thrown out for it and, like, had your ex-boyfriend look at you like you were a criminal, yeah. and for once I'm in your corner. Yeah, for I once. think they also had to, like, uh, make Tori out to be a little bit more nefarious. I, I think the writers are feeling like, okay, now Sam is perhaps not a very compelling character, so, like, the only way you make it compelling is to make Tori kind of an out-and-out villain Bad girl yeah which is yeah i mean uh, even their attempts to like make her seem like less of a villain like no don't you see no mercy is because of her hard home life that's why she embraces that motto it's it i feel like they were always kind of making her out to be yeah like she's a bad girl oh my god do you think s tori and robbie would ever get together they both have kind of shitty home lives yeah they could they could have like a modern day bonnie and clyde thing right or something yeah they, I don't know. I mean, I think you could, 
Actually, I feel like Tori would just end up making fun of Robbie. Like, well, his hair. Maybe he would cut his hair if they were together. No. Maybe. He's not cutting that hair That'd be for amazing. anybody. And the thing is, it's like, ah, I don't know. Like, Robbie and Sam, they don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is about them. You don't think they have any, anything. Ni- for I some mean, reason, neither of them are very compelling characters. Yeah. Also, they, they go to this 80s skating rink and they're dressed as characters from... Uh, pretty in pink it's like the oeuvre of john hughes and i don't they're both what like 16 there's no way they've seen these movies you sure i don't know it's like cool and retro robbie has that thing where he's like someone just call me dan johnson i was like so you know about 16 candles a movie that came out like in the early 80s but you don't know who don johnson is oh nina your rage at people not knowing their 80s references Come on now. Pretty, pretty predictable. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Which is it, Robbie? Are you an 80s fan or aren't you? I mean, nobody's really an 80s fan, Nina, except they for you. Okay. Everyone else is just kind of like, sure, let's wear an ugly outfit tonight for one theme night. I did feel defensive when, when Mama LaRusso was like, uh, did you see my hair? Uh, the 80s. And I was like, look, woman, okay, Enough. Some of us had our entire personalities shaped by the year 1986, I am talking about Nina, and just can't bear, can't bear any any aspersions cast upon its styles and hair and movies and music. You're doing Um, this podcast with me, so get on board. Um, So yeah, I I don't, I feel kind of bad for Tori, uh, because I feel like... Uh, Miguel and Sam clearly have unfinished business. They do. TM. I wish that they had given Tori, like, again, I don't know. Like, the writing in this season has kind of bugged me just because it's like, it, I feel like in the first season you've subverted expectations with characters and things like that. Like, who would have known Hawk would turn out to be Hawk at the beginning of that season? But Tori's introduced as like, I'm Tori with the Y, and I'm a bad girl from the wrong side of the tracks, and maybe I have like a harsh upbringing, but like, I'm still kind of a bitch. And like, they have not deviated from that at all, so it's like, I'd like to feel worse for her. Mm -hmm. And I would if they made her seem more like a real character. Another, I don't know if we talked about this, another theory I read is that she's Allie's daughter. Oh my god. No. And that, like from a first marriage that didn't work out. Where like, do you get this stuff? Uh. The internet, the dark web. I mean, God. That makes you're no gonna, sense. You're going to be so mad when I'm right about all of these. Oh my god. You... I mean, everything we know about Allie is that she's a player. I mean, she broke hearts right, left, and center. And is it conceivable that she had a bunch of kids and you know across the san bernardino valley that she abandoned for her new life in colorado or whatever i mean it's weird it all adds up clearly remembers her mother and i think still has her mother but yeah no adopted mother we don't know foster mother maybe Listeners, don't write in about this theory. Please write Do not in. encourage it. Do not encourage this yeah. nonsense. Tori origin story episode. Hawk uh, got one. Why can't we? Torigen story. Tor- oh god. Torrid origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um. Okay. Rankings. Okay. You gonna let me go first? Yeah, I'll let you go first. Okay. And then I'll top whatever you have. Okay, you can try. I guess. I'm gonna give this. Three out of five hide the plantains. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Parentheses on your own time. <laughs> um, because I felt like 
I don't know. It was it was mostly for for the entire dating app sequence um, and Johnny's storyline. He showed a lot of growth in this episode, and I think we even got some more Miguel than we've seen probably all season. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, that's and I'm glad that Johnny finally has a girlfriend. It's exciting. Yeah, that, that's you know the glory Something. of love. The glory of love. Um, I'd like to say that. You know, it's weird. I enjoyed watching this episode, but just discussing it with you, I'm like, oh man, that was a dumb thing. And why did they do that too? And yeah. so I give it 2.5 Carmen's sexually spilling cores on herself. Very long rating, but I approve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Now that we're back and I, listeners, not that this matters to you, but I suffered a great loss. My own computer that housed many a Miyagi meme, many of the kind of brilliant thoughts that I come up with on Twitter, <laughs> all crease-related. Actually, the crease folder was like, has 20 images. And Listeners, I it's gone. It's gone. The computer died, gave up the ghosts. And much like Johnny, I don't trust technology. You know, I find it hard to invest in a machine when it just stabs you in the back. Um, so if, if you've been missing our Twitter presence... Don't worry, lull over. I got a new computer. I'm going to be back at it. We're going to have some fun polls, I think. I think we'll have some polls. Yeah. I think we'll have more memes. I think you should at us and really, or I follow us or something us. Yes. Uh, you can follow us at Kai underscore cast on Twitter or email us with all your burning karate questions and queries at cast at gmail.com. And as always, stay classy. I mean... Strike first. Strike hard. No No mercy. mercy.